0: G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today we're back for part two of how to raise financially savvy kids with Lacey Filipich from Money School. Love chatting to Lacey. And in this one, we're going into the ways to keep our kids from making those really big mistakes, some of the major ones that can derail them to look out for. And we're going to also go into some of the ideas around how to effectively pass on our wealth and how much to leave them or not leave them, some of the thinkings around that so that we can prepare ourselves ahead of time. And um, there's no right or wrongs, but really looking forward to getting Lacey's take on things. Let's go inside.
1: Welcome to
2: Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann.
1: So how can we prevent them going wrong or have some kind of influence? Is there any advice you'd give there? <laughs>
2: Well, I'm pretty strong, and I've said it a couple of times now. On do you really want to stop them going wrong? You do need to let them yeah. make mistakes. So I think accepting that they're going to make mistakes and accepting that they're going to do things differently from you is part of raising a child. And my mum described it really well. I'm sure she got the quote from somewhere. It's like having your heart walk around outside your body. It's really tough as a parent. You know, you you, you just feel so strongly about wanting to protect them, but you just have to let them make some stuff ups, so make some bad choices, and learn from them. There are a few things when you really do need to intervene, I think, or at least be pretty strong about do you understand the consequences here of what you're doing. Things like getting into major debt, and I'm talking about big credit card debt, getting car loans, that kind of stuff. Buying $200 worth of stuff on Buy Now Pay Later is not going to financially ruin most people. It's when they've gone to 14 Buy Now Pay Later providers and they've gotten $200 with each one. Or they've gotten a credit card to pay off the other credit card, or they're trying some harebrained scheme that exposes <laughs> them to debt. And I I, ref, I reflect on there was a young man who was using Robin Hood, you know, the United States trading platform. He was, I think he was 19. And that platform allowed you to borrow more than you had. And he thought he'd somehow racked up $750,000 worth of debt and ended his own life.
0: Yeah. So it that. turned out
2: to be an error. Mm. Okay. So it turned out to be an error. And this young man is gone. Mm. so stuff like that we've got to try really hard to, to intervene you might not be able to do that you must stop this but we've got to find some way to catch their attention i think also um catastrophic investments so people who do bad property deals you'd see people come to you with mm. this sort of stuff sometimes yeah. jared um because you're taking on big amounts of debt that's why so you could invest 100 grand in shares and lose the whole 100 grand and you're not going to go bankrupt right you yeah. invest a hundred grand in property with a loan, you could go bankrupt if it's a bad debt. So that anywhere where there's debt involved, I would be quite strong and in, in trying to guide them. And then I do think there's another major risk that's coming forward that uh, we know happens all over the place, and that is a financial abuse. Now, yeah. one in six women, one in fourteen men in Australia will experience financial abuse, and it's often accompanied with some kind of violence. 93% of that is perpetuated by men. So it's men doing it to their gay partners, um, that sort of thing. But some men are also recipients of this. So just because you've got a boy doesn't mean that your child can't be financially abused by their partner, okay? So don't just think that's a problem for people with girls. It's not. But if you suspect there is abuse, any kind of abuse, any... that when it's financial abuse, will look like, oh, he doesn't want me to get a job, or she doesn't want me to get a job, or they don't want me to um, have a car, or they've got control of my accounts because I'm so bad with saving, or anything that's about restricting access to money. And often with this, also comes a lot of charm and love bombing at the beginning. So if someone is just too charming for words, and then they start doing that kind of stuff, that's that early warning signal that this has the potential to be an abusive relationship. If you see your child having that, because they haven't got the world now that you have. There's lots of reasons why you want to intervene, but from a financial perspective, people being unable to earn their own income and have access to money to leave is the reason why people tend to stay in those relationships or go back to them. And that's what you've got to be really switched on for. And I I know people my age in abusive, financially abusive relationships, I can't save them. I wish I could, but their families do not understand and and the ones that have left, their families have criticised them or something like that in in occasion. So you've got to be really aware that can't there's this stigma. Yeah. It's awful. And by the way, across Just trapped every in a
1: marriage that they don't want to be in or a partner with a partner they don't want to be in because the, I never thought of how the finances can be used to do that.
2: Oh, yeah. it's weaponized. And that's that's part of the control strategy. And the problem is by the time it gets that bad, often there's some kind of physical violence as well. And, and that's when it's really bad. But there are certainly people, you will know people right now, Jared, who are being financially abused and you won't know it like it's just we it's really hard to see because yeah. people don't necessarily talk about that stuff and they and they feel uncomfortable or embarrassed our young people don't know inherently what a healthy relationship looks like until they've seen it so they might have seen it through you and your partner if you've got a partner at home but they might not as well and they might not have understood all that stuff if they find themselves with someone who like absolutely love bombs and showers them with love at the beginning and suddenly feel wonderful and then that person starts using some of those manipulation tactics it can erode their self-worth it can erode their mental health but most importantly they might find they haven't got money to get away and so that's where I think a parental intervention is completely justified Mm. that's my take on it
1: and i guess if you help them be raise them to be you know more independent independent and bring you know that self-confidence to their relationship and hopefully you know they're going to be making those decisions right for themselves as well
2: Yeah, and if you've been talking about it and built up that trust with them, hopefully they'll be willing to talk to you about it. So it is one of these things, you can't just fix it when they turn 18. You've kind of got to build up. But I also think parents need to think about, you're either going to be a role model because, and that's what my mum was for me, I watched what she did and went, wow, I want to do what she does. I want to follow in her footsteps. Or you're an example, Mm -hmm. like my dad, who I adore, but I will never follow his footsteps financially because I was like, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> so whether <laughs> I or comment not. comment
1: on the last <laughs> point there.
2: Yeah.
1: My parents uh, may be listening to this podcast,
2: not sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. My dad, bless his pot and socks, completely acknowledges is that he's he's made lots of mistakes with money and it has been mm. terrible for him. doesn't stop him trying to give me financial advice and I smile and nod at him and <laughs> go, no way I'm doing any of that. but that's okay. Know yourself, one of those things. Um, but that's the thing. whether you're talking to your kids or not, you are already either a role model or an example to them. By talking about these things, by bringing it up with them, by explaining your decision making, by accepting that they're going to make different decisions to you, you're building that influence and trust and accepting them for who they are. And I think when I've seen healthy you know adult child relationships with parents, that's that's stuff that's been built really early on. And has resulted in them talking to their parents and trusting them more and taking guidance in their 20s, maybe not in their teens when everybody's like, I hate mum and dad or hate my parent and I just don't want to be um, listening to you right now because you're wrong (laughs) about everything. That's normal for everybody, for every part of life. But when they get out of that period and they're into their late teens and 20s, they come back to that relationship if you've built it. So just be aware that it's happening, whether you're conscious about it or not. It's always
1: hard to... Know how much sinks in, you know. Like money was never really discussed, other than negatively, at our dinner table growing up. And Ooh. me and my partner speak about it very openly. And I know Lexi picks up a lot on, on that. Um, you know, just not having it a taboo topic. I think would help a lot of kids um, where we didn't have it that way. <laughs> so
2: absolutely, yeah. And that's pretty standard, right? A lot of a lot of that taboo, which is very English. Uh, meant that people didn't talk about it around the dinner table. But you obviously watched watched and listened to other aspects, you know, mm-hmm. like you pick it up, right? So, yeah, making it open means you've got the best chance of explaining your reasoning for things. And that's more important necessarily than even what you did with the money. It's why you did it and your child understanding that underlying bit, knowing it's a safe space to ask about money questions. Really important stuff. Mm-hmm. And if that's a bit uncomfortable for you, Please be reassured that the most I've learned about money has been from when my mother reflected on making mistakes. I shouldn't have done it that way. I wish I'd done it this way. Yeah, talking
0: through your mistakes, that's
1: a good one.
2: Yeah, it's it's a massive thing because you get to learn from that experience. You don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to make the same mistake. And that vulnerability builds a lot of trust because Mm. they're not pretending. So you don't have to pretend that you're amazing with money. You don't yeah, have to pretend one. that you've got all the answers. So please don't think that just because you say to yourself, oh, I don't think I'm very good with money. You now need okay. to be an
1: expert and a master yourself. <laughs> You're yeah, on your own well, journey as well, you know.
2: Well, exactly. And acknowledging that and, and explaining to your children that it is a progressive thing and being able to reflect on what went wrong and change your behaviour is so much more powerful than just mm-hmm. being right all the time. Yeah. That's my theory anyway.
1: No, I like it. This is Fuck. working for me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, good! I made you feel
1: better. Excellent. <laughs> well, that's why I get people along on my podcast is, you know to help uh, help me as much as our listeners. So, uh, been hey, everyone
2: wins. That's great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got a few more questions for you. Hang in there. So
2: awesome. Let's say
1: we've, uh, let's say we've built our wealth, and um, and what are some of the ideas on how much we leave our kids, and how to effectively pass it on if we want to, and not have it squandered. So i've been thinking more and more to this as i've been becoming more independently wealthy and thinking about you know that next generation and what you'd leave and not leave or try to anyway so do you have any thoughts around this
2: Oh, yeah, I've got lots of thoughts around this. Um, It's a (laughs) massive issue. Our own
1: episode on this one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll try and keep it succinct, But this is a concern that all those ultra-wealthy, you know, the ultra-high net worth individuals we talk about, um, the Gina Reinhart's of the world, Mm. there's that saying that it takes one generation to build it, one to keep it, and then the third one to lose it. It's the biggest thing that they worry about is this generational decline. Yeah, Mm. the third generation is the one that loses it. So if you're the one that's building it, There's a good chance that your child will be able to sustain that and then the rule of thumb is that the next one might lose it. But people that focus on this a lot now and try to build up the skills so that that doesn't happen. I think there's a few schools of thought here and none of them are right or wrong particularly. This is such a personal decision. So there's Mm -hmm. no judgement on anyone for whatever you choose here. And I saw recently Daniel Craig, you know, the actor who does... Jay's bonded all Bond, that. Yeah. Said, um, "No, that's my money. My kids don't get any of that." So he set the expectation mm. with his children. No, no, I own that money, not you. You get none. So that's an yeah. option. It's it's perfectly fine. I I don't think you owe an adult. And child I've seen
1: anything. um, have you, I've seen Shack do it as well. He's yes, like,
2: exactly. Yeah. His
1: son was like t- talking about. You know, my house, my car, no, mine. <laughs> mine. <don't>. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You
1: need to go so, and work on getting your own son.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's certainly an option. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a legitimate option. So people who go like, "Oh, that's not fair," well, no, he's they're technically correct. Once they're adults, like by all means, they need to provide a safe mm. home for them to learn in. But once they're adults, you're on your own. You know, like that. It's up to you. If you would like to be generous and make gifts, that's great. The other school of thought, which I quite liked from Warren Buffett, who's you know giving away masses of his wealth while he's still alive, he wanted his kids to have enough to do anything, but not enough to do nothing. So when you're super wealthy, that's, that's the idea. You don't want someone who just thinks everything, everything's paid for. So I think he said something like $10 million was how much he left for each child, because that was enough for them to build whatever business they wanted, to create whatever they needed, but they couldn't just sit there and live off the interest. So
1: I guess it's
2: all None relative. Uh, you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that was the the theory. Now, this is a man who still lives in the house that he bought in 1960, drives yeah. the same car. You know, that sort of stuff. So, it, they, they, the kids did not grow up in plush surroundings. So, um, I think there's that that sort of you know that's a that's a different culture from what most people would have. So, the, I'm just putting those out there as like ways of thought, Possible I guess. Thinking. Yeah, op- options. You know. So I, 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 and then of course there's the philosophy of dying with zero. If you're going to gift it, you may as well gift it while you're alive because what's happening now is people are living longer. They're not selling their houses until the you know, the parents have died in their 80s or 90s, so they're getting the estate in the 50s or 60s, and by then they're already set up. The money would have been much more useful to them in their 20s or 30s, so that's that like idea of giving it away earlier. There are plenty of people I know who've done that, who've swooped in and paid off a child's mortgage you know, or um, helped them get a property or bought them a back parcel of shares, and you can certainly do that too if you want to. Uh, making sure the kids understand how hard that, that was won, that it's not to be frittered away, um, and, and helping them, you know, be able to steward that wealth so that it doesn't disappear mm. is really important. So whichever process you pick, that's the one. If you've got really young kids and you're worried about you might pass away before they reach their majority, which is 18 in Australia, but some people would say don't let them make decisions with money until they're 25 or 30, you know, that's mm. fine as well, whatever you want um one tool to look to i think if you've got significant assets is a discretionary testamentary trust so the discretionary part allows people to decide who gets paid out of what each year there's no automatic i'm owed this amount of money i'm not a trust fund baby then you you know there's a, a trustee who decides how much is getting distributed and to who that's the discretionary part and then the testamentary is this trust only comes into being if you pass so that there's all the documents sitting there and why that's a really good tool is because it wraps everything up into a trust that so the kids can't put away and whoever's looking after them can't put it away and so long as you've got a really good trustee in place it's going to be stewarded through and then there's a chance that you know they'll inherit that at whatever age you set 18 21 25 30 whatever it is Um, and hopefully by then they've built up the skills to look after it definitely something for a lawyer. Definitely one for a lawyer. And I would also say if you're planning to gift children money throughout the lives, particularly if there's siblings and multiple people, keep really good records of that because there's nothing worse than mum and dad died. Oh, they gave you 100 grand for that house when you were 21, so we need to take 100 grand plus the indexing <laughs> out of your share. Yeah, you know? I guess so you don't say, think of yeah,
1: how yeah, so, these decisions yeah. on the way are going to affect the later.
2: Exactly. You know, and, and so with the testamentary... Um trust you can set up one per child and you can have an equalization clause that means that they get similar values so you know that, that so that it's fair so you can do all that in advance to reduce the likelihood of them arguing over things and keeping really good records of what you do gift and what the terms were and making that clear mm-hmm. to everyone in the family so that there's no arguments i think are your best recipe for getting that right but it's really up to you i think um you know i've got some money put aside for my children that I haven't decided whether or not I will give to them as, you know, shares yeah, or as a, a house deposit. Yeah, have an option to. Yeah, and I haven't, to yeah, and I haven't told them. To, yeah, yeah so they better not well. listen to this episode when they're 18.
1: Um, <laughs> Where but, is that mummy? mummy yeah, exactly. that place he was referring to.
2: I know, but it's in my name and so I don't have to give it to them. But if I think they're you know, they're working hard and I can help them in some way, it will be a privilege to be able to help them. If I think it's worthwhile, but I don't know that it's necessarily the best thing for them, so I haven't mm. really landed on that yet. So don't mention it to your kids if that's what you're planning. is would be my advice because you might change your mind in five or ten years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. many people I speak to are kind of focusing on. Well, I'm happy to pay for their education, and you'll make it better than than you might have had growing up, and or or not have to take out that hex debt um, that I certainly did as well. So that's mm. been something that an idea that sits pretty well with me. Like if I'm going to pay for something, then then that would probably be it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's a lovely gesture. And I think that what I I guess I, I worry about for some parents, there might be people who are listening to this who think, I can't afford that to do to do that for my child. Does that make me a less, you know, fair parent or whatever? And I I wouldn't want any parent to think because I can't do that, I'm not good enough or I'm not yeah. don't think that. And I know that's not what you're saying. What I'm trying to do is say to people, If you aren't able to do that, you are not disadvantaging your child. I don't think like a hex debt is one of the most serviceable debts Hmm. that you will ever get. It only kicks in when you're earning (laughs) 47,000 exactly. And, um, it's only indexed to CPI. So it's the most generous debt. If you, if your child has to get a hex debt, I'd have the same as you had to get a hex debt Hmm. to go to university. It's not going to hamper them. They're not going to like, not in any real sense because it doesn't kick in till you're earning $47,000 a year. And then it's just this tiny percentage that comes out and you don't even notice it. So. I I wouldn't don't beat yourself up if you're not in that position yet if you're not financially and this is I think really important if you're not financially secure if you're struggling to make ends meet or you haven't started building your assets you need to do that first before the children because you don't want them to have to be paying for you you don't want to be the reverse you don't want to be coming to them for money (laughs) Hmm. so you first fill your cup first you be safe first and and working towards financial independence and then you can think about the kids but if you don't get to the kids because you're busy with yourself and you haven't got there yet you're no worse a parent you're doing everything you can give them the skills and they will do it themselves so don't beat yourself up
1: awesome well that's a good place to finish i think
2: mm-hmm. oh great well thanks for having me it's been fun yeah, i
1: really appreciate <laughs> you coming on again and um, i'll be in touch when i have my next uh money challenge to get your input on <laughs>
2: <laughs> sounds like a plan thoroughly enjoyed it thanks for
1: having but, uh, me but how do people find out more because i Mm I checked out your website and I understand you've got a really great online program for raising financially savvy kids. So
2: yes, yes, we'll put
1: details in the show notes, and that's really a really affordable one too. Um, I think $47 at the moment at the time of uh, recording. So that will be an awesome one for people to get.
2: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's set up so that um, parents can run through some activities they can do with their kids. So there's all the skills that I think they're important. So there's skills around money management, skills around investing. And I've put in a heap of activities. Some of them are theoretical. Some of them are, you know, go to the local markets and do some bartering. Some of them are real. You know, it, there's a real awesome. mix in there. And you're trying to help your kids learn those skills. So if if you feel you don't really have the, ability to give them those lessons, or you're not sure where you'd start. That's what it's for.
0: Great. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having
2: me. Cheers. Bye.
0: For free market reports on your suburbs of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorsedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group to be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. Just a reminder that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature as we don't know your specific situation. You should always seek professional advice before taking any action. I'll see you in the group.